0: This is August 13th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and back for another week of talking Bruins. It's the middle of August, obviously. There's not much to talk about. I think I've been saying that for weeks now. Nothing on the Carlo front, nothing on the McAvoy front. There's just been... Nothing to talk about with the Bruins. Charlie Coyle got honored in Weymouth the other day, though. That was, that's for the biggest news of the week. Um, so yeah, not much to talk about, but this week, uh, I had on CBS Sports' Pete Blackburn, who's always a fun guest to have on. Uh, he was on last on Bruins Beach during the Stanley Cup. Um, and he's here again now. So obviously, there's not much to talk about now, but we talk about sort of, you know, McAvoy and Carlo and what they should be paid. Um, And then we get into front office rankings that were in the athletic earlier this week. And that's where uh, the interestingness in this podcast really, really lies. I think you're going to enjoy that one um, because no one else is talking about it and we are. So yeah, that's why you're listening. Anyways, without further ado, here is my conversation with Pete Blackburn. And we're here with Pete Blackburn. Pete, how are you? I'm
1: fantastic. Enjoying the summer. How are you?
0: I am doing the same thing. It is, it is dead right now. You still are working with CBS. Uh, you love it. You know, you 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 know, you work during the day and all that fun stuff. How's that been?
1: Uh, it's good. I just came back from a work summit in Fort Lauderdale where we met with like uh, basically the entire team uh, for CBS. And it's always, as somebody who works from home like 364 days a year, it's nice to actually like put some faces. Uh, to names and things like that and realize that uh, hey I actually work with real people who work out of like a real headquarters and it's not just like uh, this you know this website that gets run from a basement
0: it's nice to get out of the house that's pretty much what you're saying absolutely oh yeah no it's uh that that has to be so funny to see these people who have online relationships with it was kind of like the Stanley Cup there are a lot of people I met who I just knew through Twitter and stuff and you meet them in person like oh like you're a real human being, not just... Right.
1: You're more, than, you're more than just like an avatar on Twitter or uh, on Slack or something. It's, it's very weird, but it's also like refreshing to realize that you work with real people.
0: It's fun to have real human interactions. <laughs> Sometimes. Not always. So, so uh, obviously there's not a lot going on with the Bruins right now. We're sort of going off rankings and top 10 lists and all that fun stuff. Nothing is happening on the Brandon Carlo uh, and Charlie McAvoy front. Probably won't until camp. What do you think is going to happen with that whole thing? What do you think the signing is going to be? All that fun stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't know. My guess is pretty much as good as yours at this point. I, I think that the longer it goes, I, I, I don't know whether to expect like a bridge deal or a longer term extension type of deal. Uh, You know, I don't have any insider information. I think that, you know, based on my own personal feeling, I wouldn't mind a a bridge deal for Charlie McAvoy um, just to kind of, give yourself a little bit of leeway in finding out, you know, who he is and who he's going to be. I think that he's certainly trending in the right direction. Same as Brandon Carlo, but you know, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily hate a, a bridge deal to get him paid uh, in a few years down the road. Uh, I think they're in a good spot right now in terms of, you know, roster construction, things like that. So if you can make the money work, I wouldn't hate it. Um, I just, you know, Obviously, your your the end goal is just to get it done, no matter what. And I, I have enough faith in this front office and what they've been able to do over the past handful of years in terms of keeping guys around at a fair price. I think they're where they usually shoot themselves in the foot is free agency uh, and, and uh, that sort of deal, rather than retaining guys that they already have. So, from everything that I've heard, McAvoy and Carlo, they want to be here. Um, so. I wouldn't necessarily expect any deal that gets done to be something that we hate.
0: Yeah, well, S- Sweeney's been pretty good at re-signing his own guys, so right. you know, at least there's that to go off of. Um, I, with McAvoy, see, I like the bridge deal idea, but part of me, a lot of me almost would rather have him you lock if you could lock him up long term at a at a price that's expensive now, but if he t- continues to trend in the right direction, that becomes cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. I feel like maybe that would be you know a solid alternative, a solid option for a guy like McAvoy.
1: Yeah, well, I think there's risks in both on both sides of the camp. Like you're taking a risk at giving a long term deal to a guy who hasn't really shown uh like for extended extended periods of time that he is going to be you know, that, that top pairing elite guy. And I, I do think that's where McAvoy is headed, but we don't know that for sure. And it's easy to get ahead of yourself and say, well, yeah, for sure he's going to be that guy, but you know, he needs to prove it. I think for, for an extended period of time before I'm very confident and very safe in saying that he is that guy. Uh, but if he does become that guy, then you, and you lock him up long-term right now, you're looking at a possible steal a few years down the road. So, you know, there's there's a little bit of risk with a long-term deal there's also a little bit of risk with a bridge deal because if he does become that elite top pairing defenseman then you're going to have to pay him as such in in two three four years whatever the bridge deal uh length is so you know you're gonna have to pay him eventually
0: yeah see the thing with mcavoy is um you know the safe route would be do the bridge deal now see what he becomes all that stuff um but again like if he becomes that top parent defenseman, he's going to be really, really hard to afford in the future. You know, right. they can pay it, but it's going to be a lot more money than now. Whereas, you know, if you sign him this big deal that's long term and, you know, maybe at seven, you know, six and a half, seven million, seven and a half maybe a year, then it's like, wow, that's, you know, a lot right now, but maybe a steal later. Um, the other thing with, the other interesting thing is with Carlo. With a guy like Brandon Carlo, It feels like we saw his ceiling in the playoffs. We saw what he can be this great shutdown defenseman, the next Char of the next generation, that whole sort of thing. I wouldn't be surprised, and I think the right move would be lock him up long term at a deal that's relatively cheap. So it's maybe a six year deal at you know I know it's odd a six year deal at three and a half four million. Um, sort. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, I I think that's that's. Too little money for Brandon Carlo. Like, if Brandon Carlo is smart, he's gonna ask for a lot more money than that. Because, he, like you said, he is, uh, he is that shutdown guy. And I know that those guys don't necessarily get paid like the, uh, like the, you know, the the guys who have more of a two-way game to them. um like a McAvoy or, or like a, you know, like a Drew Doughty or something like that. um you know, they don't necessarily make as much bank, but, Brennan Carlo is worth more than three and a half million dollars a year, especially if you're paying him for, for that long. Uh, and with the way that the, you know, the, the cap is increasing and, and guys are just getting paid more to begin with. I think that if you're Brennan Carlo, you, you maybe look at a guy like, uh, like Tyler Myers and say, well, if that guy just got six million dollars a year and he's like a third pairing defenseman, I should be getting a lot, a lot of money. And so, you know, obviously with the restricted free agency, he doesn't necessarily have, the you know the negotiating sort of chips and and leverage but i think that he's going to get more money than that i would i would say probably like if i had to guess probably in like the four to five million dollar range um if it's if if it's at at length right
0: three and a half would be very low i mean that would be like the that'd be team friendly for team friendly like that would just be right
1: if you could get, if you could get, uh, Carlo for like six years at, at five million a year, like a six year, $30 million, anywhere in that range, I would take that for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a lot. But again, like as you
1: said, I don't think it's a lot for, for like a top pairing, like shut down guy because Carlo can be that shut down guy and he's still what 22 years old. So, uh, you know, I, I really do think that Carlo is, is worth that, that amount of money.
0: Well, it's a lot, but it's worth it. It's right. worth it. Like that. That's uh, you know, they don't have anybody else in that system right now that is a shutdown defenseman as Brandon Carlo is. It feel. It just feels like that. At yeah, least and it, it might the might be developing, and the guys that are on the ice right now for the Bruins.
1: And it's possible that you you could be overpaying like in the first couple of years of that deal, but by the time year three, four, five, six rolls around, that's going to be. Either market value, or it's going to be a steal. Like that's, I think that's just the player that Brandon Carlo is.
0: It feels like the to wrap this part, portion uh, of of our of our talk up. I feel like the the safe move for the Bruins is lock Carlo up long term and bridge deal for McAvoy. See what he turns into. You know, you you're in a tight cap situation right now. Why force it? So I feel like that's sort of the safe route on both ends. Nobody knows what's going to happen because nothing's been leaked out. Nothing's really been talked about. It's very, very quiet. It's crazy. It's so quiet. There's nothing going on. And that's But
1: th- but that's not like that their situation is not an anomaly or or like a outlier from the rest of the league because there are plenty of restricted free agents across the league and you're not hearing anything. Obviously, we're not as plugged into other markets and things like that, but the guys like Patrick Laine, like I haven't heard a lot about, about all these other restricted free agents and there just doesn't seem to be a ton of movement there. I don't know if they're waiting for like the, the, the Marner shoe to drop or, or something like that, but like this is crazy how many restricted free agents there are right now and how little chatter there is surrounding them.
0: James Myrtle had a piece in the athletic a few weeks ago where he listed like, because he was talking about the Marner because he's, uh, right. he's a Toronto guy. Um, he was talking about how, uh, Marner hasn't been re-signed yet and it feels like everyone's waiting for that shoe to drop before everybody else re-signs and he listed everyone else who has not re-signed and it's insane all the good young talent that just don't have contracts
1: right they don't have contracts like, like, like there, is, so there was a there was a trade rumor that came out and I, I don't know how like how legitimate it is but they said it said uh that the Canucks are interested in uh, in trading for Marner um, and so, I looked into that a little bit, and i didn 't even realize that uh that uh Canucks haven 't signed Besser uh they haven 't signed Godolbin they have like five million dollars in cap space, so uh they 're in a tough spot over there as well so uh it's it definitely is not a situation that is you know exclusive to the Bruins and I guess that makes me feel a little bit better about sort of the position that you 're in because it is a tough position i mean what do they get for cap space like seven million dollars? Uh, seven seven point two million with with those two guys behind them. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a tough spot to be in, but it's not a uh, it's not they're not the only team in that spot.
0: I'm not surprised the Jim Benning team has a tough time with salary serious, Um, uh the list right here, I have it: uh, Miko Rantanen, Braden Point, Mitch Marner, Matthew Kachuk, Patrick Laine, Kyle Connor, both on the same team. Brock Besser, Travis Konecny, Colin White, and then on defense, McAvoy, Worenski. Proveroff. I mean, there's a lot of good young talent out there that just right. don't have contracts yet, which is just really boring for this month. I mean, we need some news to talk about. We've been—I mean, I've had this conversation about McAvoy and Carlo like a million times at this point. Um, so something that is new and different. Um, Dom Lucison, if that's—I don't—I think that's his last name. A really good writer for the Athletic. He released his uh power rankings for front offices. And the Bruins came in at ninth, which is good. That's a good ranking. That's not bad. That's top ten. Top ten of the league. Yeah, that's that's a good ranking. Um, what stood out to me about this um, was the difference between the public opinion and the fan base. So public opinion, I think, is him talking around the league to people, sort of what they think. Uh, fan base is just getting fan reaction. And I looked through every team, and most teams, if not all, The fan base was uh, had ranked the team higher than the public opinion did. With the Bruins. Of course. Of course. The Bruins, on the other hand, public opinion versus fan base. For roster building, public opinion put the Bruins second ranked. Fan base had them 12th. Cap management, the Bruins uh, public opinion put them at 5th. Fan base put them at 16th. Draft and development. Public opinion put him at seventh. <laughs> fan base put him at 19th. Trading, public opinion put him at ninth. Fan base, 18th. Free Jesus agency. Christ. Free agency, public opinion put him at 14th. Fan base, 22nd. And team vision, public opinion put them at fifth. Fan base, 14th. And then overall, public opinion put the Bruins front office in sixth place. The fan base had them in 18th.
1: Jeez, you're you are just one win away from winning the Stanley Cup.
0: That's the thing that boggles my mind. I know Bruins fans are more critical of their team, like they're the most critical fans in Boston. Oh yeah. But to put a team that was one win away from the Stanley Cup, eighteenth, that's insane to me. It's How is crazy. that even happening?
1: And I know there's like a little bit of recency bias here, but trading being so low there is is crazy because. The two guys that Don Sweeney traded for during this past season were two of their best forwards in the playoff run. And they arguably don't, don't make it that far, uh, without those two guys. And you didn't give up too much for them. Like I, I liked Ryan Donato, but I would do that trade a hundred times out of a hundred looking back on the way things went and the fact that you have coil for another year of control. Really, really good. So like I know that Bruins fans are extremely negative. I know that Bruins fans are often extremely dumb, but that is. That is pretty wild that they came in so low after a season in which they're one win away from winning the Stanley Cup.
0: Well, that's the thing. I mean, Coyle and Johansson carried that team for a good stretch of time in the playoffs. I think it was right. in the Columbia Series. They had a bunch of points. And, I, I I, mean, I'm surprised because if you look at other teams, like the Rangers just did a ton of stuff. They were ranked ahead of the Bruins. I mean, if you asked people a year ago where the Rangers were, their bottom third of the league with the oh, yeah. front office, management you have the blue the st louis blues who were ranked fourth on this list obviously they just won the stanley cup i mean you can't put them anywhere else but i mean if you and and this even wrote this if you were if he when he did this in december they were in the bottom six of the league um and then of course the carolina hurricanes are sixth and they have a terrible gm situation right now because waddell's interviewing with uh the minnesota wild so i'm just surprised sort of at the bruins you know i'm They're in the right spot. They should be in the top 10, but the fan base was just, I I mean. I want to know
1: what, how big of a swing it would be had they won game seven. Like you you, you get, you're in the Stanley Cup final three years in the last 10 years, you win two of them and like public opinion has to be sky high, has to be like, it has to be sky high. And the fact that you lose the game and you're throwing them 18th, 19th in the league is crazy. That's way too massive.
0: If the Bruins won the cup, I think that the storyline of the summer is like they won the cup, hurrah! You know, and the McAvoy and Carlo signings are big, but I don't think that's like the forefront of people's minds. Now it's like that's the only thing on people's mind. Oh, the Bruins are tight with the cap. Oh, the David Backus contract. Oh, McAvoy and Carlo. Instead of oh my god, we won the Stanley Cup. So I think that's sort of maybe why public opinion is so low. It's funny. I mean, you know, you mentioned the Bruins going to three cups in the past 10 years. The Blackhawks were 25th on this list. The Penguins were 26th. I mean, these are teams that have had a ton of success and, you know. But um, also
1: those teams are in much worse situations than the Bruins.
0: now. 100%. 100%. 100%. But, you know, you, you mentioned that. So I was just kind of surprised at. The fan base, like I, I doubt, it's so funny to me that they were just that tough on the team. I mean, we see it on Twitter, you know, the occasional, oh, they should trade Rask. Like if you say like, you know, Kraichi's a pretty, you know, uh, pretty controversial subject. If you bring yeah. up David Krejci, oh, trade Polarizing, him, don't trade yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Polarizing, that's the word I was looking for. So yeah, um, so with that, Bruins fans hate their team, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, something else I found kind of interesting about this was, Uh, if you look at the top five and this is not news to anybody, but the top five, number one was Tampa Bay and Mm -hmm. number five was Toronto, both -hmm. in your division. That's not very fun. Is it? No,
1: I, I mean, I think that you, we all know this, like the Atlantic is an absolute juggernaut at the top and I think it is a three team race, but I I would say where's Florida on that list at this point. Uh
0: um, Florida, actually, let me take a peek at this. Uh, hmm.
1: That's, that's a curious one for me because Florida has been an absolute mess for like the past handful of years, but they are trending in the right direction and they could be a, a real sleeper this year for a lot of people. Um, but also they just overpaid like crazy for Sergey Bobrovsky. So I'm sort okay. of interested how, where they fall.
0: They were 15th. And if you look at free agency, public opinion has them at 11th. Fan base has them at 12th. For me, I mean, I think the Bobrovsky signing is terrible. I mean, for the short term,
1: like awesome,
0: great. It gets you some some publicity down there. I mean, I don't know if it still puts you over the attention of the Tampa Bay Lightning. It doesn't. but No, definitely not. Especially in the state of Florida. But, you know, it puts you in the conversation, the Atlantic Division. Now, I thought they were in the conversation last year. They came out and they weren't. Um, but now it? they actually you need goaltending.
1: Like you, you, you yeah, find was... out that you need goaltending and that's why they were willing to overpay so hard for goaltending. And, you know, on the front end of that deal, it, it could look bad in like two or three years. It could look bad next year. Honestly, so I don't, I really am not sold on Bobrovsky being an elite goalie, uh, anymore, but, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, there's no bad contracts on a Stanley cup winning team. So if they win on the front end, then, you know, all the power to them. But I really do think that that contract has potential to look terrible in two or three years.
0: See, I think the most questionable move of the offseason for the Panthers might not have even been that uh, deal for Bobrovsky. It was drafting the goalie in the first round. Like, you lock up a goal, you lock up Bobrovsky for 10 years. That contract is not going anywhere. And then you draft a goalie. What pick were they? They were, like, 12th or 13th, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, they were in like the teens, I think. And they draft a goalie, like that's. It was. It's that, not. A, it's
1: not. Not ten years. Seven years. Seven years. Ten million per. That's seven right. years. Sixty
0: million. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's that. But I just, it just surprised me that they would draft a goalie. I mean, I know at the time they didn't have Bobrovsky locked down, but kind of surprising to me.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, goalies take a little bit to develop, and and you know, it'll be at least a few years. Before, uh, was what was, uh, was the goalie? Was it uh, Knight? It was
0: Knight, and they compared yeah. him to Kevin Price.
1: Yeah, and so like it, it, it'll take him a few years to develop, and uh, again, like it could work out in the sense that like Bobrovsky could be shit in like three in like three years, and you know Knight could be starting on that team with your backup goaltender <laughs> making ten million dollars. Um, but yeah, I think that they're kind of just they know they. <laughs> It, you have you have a core in Florida that has been, uh you know, perennial underachievers. I, I really like their core. I think that they uh, have done some really nice things and they just haven't been able to put it all together and, you know, find a ton of success. And they found out that you need goaltending to win and they found out in the hardest way possible. And so now I think that they're really just putting all their chips into goaltending. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't, but You know, I don't hate taking the best player on the board and if they thought that that was Knight and they thought that he would be, uh, like the pillar that they need moving forward, I don't hate it, especially, uh, especially, you know, with the price comparison thing like that. I I just have, I don't, I wouldn't say that that is the the biggest question mark. I would say that Bobrovsky is because you could have got a guy like, like Leonard for a short, a shorter term sort of like uh contingency plan in goal, or you could have went out and got a Varlamov. Like, I know that he's maybe not the same sort of quality as Bobrovsky, but the drop off is not that far in terms of like looking at the, the pro and con of committing $70 million uh over seven years.
0: I mean, we saw it here in Boston during the second round. I mean, Bobrovsky was lights out the first couple of games and right. then he just returned right to his old ways and was just not, at all. So, I mean, he's been a puddle in the playoffs his whole career this year. You know, he was good against Tampa. Okay. Against the Bruins for the first couple games, but I mean, look, it's an upgrade in Florida. They need some publicity. It's sort of worth it now, but obviously long-term that deal is probably going to haunt them. Um, How much do you think the ranking for the Bruins in this front office power rankings change if they can get the McAvoy and Carlo deal done Maybe during training camp and for team friendly uh, numbers. You think they go up another top five? You think they just go up a, a rung? Do Bruins fans still hate them. Like, what? What do you think happens?
1: No, I, I think uh, I think it probably will sway a little bit. I don't know if it gets them into the top five or whatever. Um, it, you know what fan perspective was what eighteen? 18?
0: Yeah, eighteenth. Like you, ha- you have
1: to. get... The top. it's crazy that they're not in the top 10 at this point and like if they get those two guys signed they should be in the top 10 like there shouldn't be a ton of doom and gloom around here but I just I feel like there is a general sense of doom and gloom because they lost the Stanley Cup final and because like now all the attention has shifted like you said to these signings and also to the fact that like hey this window is closing maybe that was just our best opportunity to win a cup with like with Bergeron, with Krejci, with Rass, with Chara, like this group, that was just our best chance and we blew it. And so I think that there is a general sense of negativity because that just happened. Um, but it, you know, it really shouldn't be because I don't think anybody expected them to get that far last year. And obviously sort of like the path worked out in terms of Tampa getting eliminated in the first round. And then you ended up getting Columbus and, and Carolina, which is about as easy as, as a path as you could have hoped for. And the Blues. Oh my God. I still- still think the Bruins are better than the Blues. Uh, I still think they should have won the Stanley Cup final. They obviously didn't, and they didn't deserve to, given the way that they played and, and uh, some of the contributions and the guys that went quiet. But there shouldn't be an overall sense of doom and gloom because you still have a, a really good core here. You still have a lot of uh, young players who are going to be, presumably, with this team for for a long time to come. And so uh, they're, I would say that they're still trending in the right direction.
0: Yeah, as you said, the young core. I mean, they've rebuilt on the fly. You know, they've re. You know, guys like Pasternak, DeBrus, Carlo McAvoy are are here. I mean, if you said in 2011 that in 2019, which is like eight years later, they would still have like a very similar core with Chara, Bergeron, Mar uh, Marchand, uh You know, obviously not Thomas, but Rask, who was on the team then, mixed with a a younger group going to this game seven of the Stanley cup finals. I think that would surprise a lot of people. So
1: forget 2011, if you just said in 2016, like when they had just yeah. like the team was trending hard in the wrong direction, like very, very hard. I was, I was like in the 2016, 2015, 2016 area, uh, area of time. I was like, this team is not going to get back to the Stanley cup final with this group. Like it's, it's over. They're going to have to like, they're going to have to rebuild at some point. And it's been a quick turnaround. Like they've, they've made Don Sweeney has like really settled into the job. I think he's made some, some mistakes for sure. I mean, David Backus, everybody knows how bad that signing is. He's had some missteps, but this team is still in a pretty positive position. And I think it's worth feeling good about. So, uh, Obviously you're not feeling great after losing in the Stanley Cup final, but uh, a lot of reason to be positive. And apparently that is not, uh, the general sense from the fan base.
0: No, it is not. Real quickly though, uh, we're recording this on a Monday afternoon. Um, the NHL just put out their top 20 wings. NHL network ranks them and obviously isn't, isn't the be all end all. I'm not a huge fan of top 20, 10 lists. I mean, I just, we just did a whole podcast on a top. Thirty-two list, thirty-one list of NHL front offices. So obviously we put some stock in them, but um, in the top twenty wings, uh, Bruins. Uh, Brad Marchand was in fourth, and David Pasternak was tenth. Um, one through ten, Nikita Kucherov was one, Patrick Kane two, Ovechkin three, Marchand four, Marner five, uh, Drysaitel six, Goudreau seven, Panarin eight, Rantanen nine, and then Pasternak ten. Nobody cares about ten through uh, nine, uh, eleven through twenty. Do you put a lot of stock in these lists? Are they are they fun to talk about? What, what, what is with them? Uh, I'm just going to say this. I, I refuse to talk about
1: any uh, list from NHL Network because I'm convinced that they make them bad on purpose to garner discussion. Uh, there's just, like, no way that the people that work there can be that stupid. Like, it's it, there are just some crazy, crazy parts of those lists, and they always come out around this time of the summer when there's nothing else to talk about. And Perfect. I really, I really do think that, that it's, they make them bad on purpose so that people will talk about them.
0: See, I think that's like with bleacher report, like they will put out like a quarterback ranking or there was that guy. Uh, I forget his name earlier this summer who put Brady as like the, like not even in the yeah, of course, of course it's, like- just an right. attention, grab. And, and people had him on radio shows all over the country. And I'm like, this guy yeah. just wants attention. Why are we giving it to him? I'm like, who cares what this guy thinks about Brady? I mean, he's like, it's not like he's any prominent name and he's just doing it for attention. So who cares? Um, but this list, I didn't see any, at least in the top 10, I didn't see any that were grossly. Yeah. I think the center's list, I,
1: I, it was more egregious. Like the wing one was okay. But like, again, I I hate doing I hate like the discussion about these lists just because like there is nothing else to talk about and that like they're capitalizing on just that fact that that nothing's happening right
0: now. It goes to show how much more And they're so
1: arbitrary. Like there's their lists are so so arbitrary. Like if people want to argue about like these uh these rankings that have real no real meaning (laughs) at all uh so it's you know I try not to get involved or try not to get like outraged that like Pachinac is 10th or whatever so I don't know
0: yeah no I agree with you I mean the centers list was out last week Bergeron was seventh I know people are like how is he not in the top five it top 10 you can interchange any of those guys who aren't the top three I mean the, the, it's no big deal. Well, so, I, no, what
1: was uh, what was the top three? Because I think I, I know I said I wasn't going to discuss this, but I think that uh, okay,
0: the, okay. The all fact, right. So, top,
1: n- top number three. the fact that McKinnon wasn't number two was like crazy to me. Well, okay, it's, so it's, it's McDavid, Crosby, and K- McKinnon, right?
0: Yeah, I I don't think I mean McKinnon's nasty and deserves to be in it, but I don't know if he's unseated Crosby or McDavid for no, no. no. Your- I
1: th- I, th- I, th- I would I would probably do uh, McDavid, McKinnon. Crosby I, I I know Crosby's like still Crosby but McKinnon is I think like the second most electric player in the league and he, he does not- I think I think that he can take over a game at this point in time better than Sidney Crosby can that doesn't necessarily mean that he's like a better overall player but I do think that he is possibly like a bigger game breaker than than Crosby is at, at this point in time
0: I mean, during the playoffs against the Flames, I mean, he was lights out good. Right, so good. Um, it, it just—he's in Colorado. It doesn't get a lot of, doesn't get a ton of publicity. But they're going to get more soon. Colorado was ranked, I think, on that front office list. I—they were in the top five. It might have been three. Um, they were ranked very, very high. Um, Barkoff at four surprised me, but he is nasty. It's just yeah. we don't. So- Again, that's kind of, that, that's, that's a
1: situation like it, like McKinnon's in Colorado and they don't get a ton of attention, I guess. Uh But that's just because they haven't been very good over the past. Like, I mean, they were good last year and they were better than expected the year before, but like they were the worst team in the league the year before that. So uh <laughs> they haven't done a, a, a ton there, but like, if you want to talk about a guy who's really, really good and doesn't get any attention, Barkov in Florida is, is probably at the top of that list. And it, at this point, it's like he's so he's constantly touted as like the most underrated player that he's not underrated anymore. Because everybody always talks about him as being the most underrated guy in the league.
0: Yeah, I feel like once Clearly you talk not about underrated, someone, if he's number four, <laughs> yeah, I feel like once you start talking about someone as underrated, they're not underrated anymore. The right, underrated first, first you don't think you
1: of. Talk about underrated guys so much that they become overrated because everybody's always like, "Oh, this guy's so underrated."
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the top 20 centers were last summer and where Barkov ranked in that to see if he's like underrated would be a guy who isn't on this list. Underrated would be like Sean Couturier who, who did not make this list. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I find them fun to look at. I don't love them because again, they're, they're so arbitrary and they're not the be all end all. Um, but yeah, they're fun to look
1: at, but I don't put a lot of stock into them and I don't want to expend a lot of energy, uh, debating, debating these arbitrary.
0: No, they're, they're, they're pointless. They're just cause it's August and we have nothing to do. Yeah, um, but hopefully, uh, you guys enjoyed this podcast. Anyways, Pete, thank you so much. Do you want to plug anything? Uh,
1: yeah, uh, my writing on com. You can go check that out. Uh, my podcast brunch, uh, listen to brunch on Twitter and then just brunch and wherever you listen to your podcast. So that's about it. That seems nice. Yeah. Is my Twitter podcast. account, Pete Blackburn. It's just my name.
0: Might as well. All right, Pete, thank you so much uh for Stealing This Media. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Have a tremendous rest of your week.